and G Builders. Find out more at pembrokeshirebuilders.co.uk. Get involved using the hashtag PureWestSports on social media. That's on the way after the latest news for Pembrokeshire at 8 o'clock on Pure West Radio. From Pembrokeshire, this is Pure West Radio. Charlie James, and here's the latest for Pembrokeshire. 19 more cases of coronavirus have been reported across the Heweldar Health Board region yesterday. Three new cases have been reported in Ceredigion, four in Pembrokeshire and 12 in Carmarthenshire. Dr Ellery Davies, the Incident Director for the COVID-19 outbreak response at Public Health Wales, has said that Public Health Wales is reminding everyone that firebreaker restrictions came into effect in Wales at 6 o'clock on October 23rd and will last right until the start of Monday the 9th of November. We urge the public to stick to the new rules, which are vital to help us regain control of the virus to protect the NHS and save lives. During the firebreak lockdown, it is still important to look after your health and you can continue to attend appointments and seek help for urgent medical issues. Attending a booked NHS flu vaccination appointment and any of Public Health Wales screening clinics is a legitimate reason to travel during the firebreak. NHS Wales is still here to help you if you need care and it's important you continue to attend appointments and seek help for urgent medical issues. You can leave your home to access local health services, including your GP surgery, dentist, optometrist or other health service. If you or a member of your household develop symptoms of the coronavirus, such as a cough, fever or change in sense of taste or smell, you must self-isolate immediately and book a free coronavirus test at gov.uk forward slash get hyphen coronavirus hyphen test or by calling 119. A pub in Fishguard has barred two MPs from its establishment after they voted not to extend the UK government's free school meal scheme for children in England. Priscelli Pembrokeshire MP Stephen Crabb has abstained whilst the Carmarthen West and South Pembrokeshire MP Simon Hart voted against. The Globe in Fishguard has now barred the MPs for life as a result. The pub's owner, Gene Morris, said that luckily for Mr Crabb and Mr Hart's constituents for the Welsh Government will ensure that any children in need in Pembrokeshire and South Carmarthenshire will have food over the holidays. So Mr Hart's voting against extending the free school meal in holidays scheme and Mr Crabb's abstaining from the vote will not affect Pembrokeshire families. Mr Crabb likes to remind voters that every election of his childhood spent living in a social housing in a single parent family in receipt of benefits. So one might imagine he would emphasise and have bothered to ensure children in the same situation as he found himself do not go hungry. She concluded by saying, we feel we have no option but to impose a lifetime ban. The Welsh Government has already pledged to extend free school meals throughout all school holidays until Easter 2021. Manchester United footballer Marcus Rashford has been campaigning for vulnerable children across England to be protected by extending the scheme. Following the vote, a pub in Yorkshire also banned local MP and Chancellor Rishi Sunak. The Welsh Finance Minister Rebecca Evans has announced an extra £10 million package to help protect workers who are not eligible for the UK government's job retention scheme. 
The fund is on top of the £300 million package of grants announced last week. In addition, an extra £5 million will also be provided to the Discretionary Assistance Fund, which provides grants to people in need of urgent help during the crisis, including those waiting for benefit payments and those in employment who are facing hardship. I'm Charlie James, and you're up to date on Pure West Radio. Listen live at purewestradio.com. 24 hours a day. Pure West Radio. Well, a very good evening. This is Pure West Radio and you're listening to Pure West Sports on a Monday evening. It's the second half with G&G Builders. You can find out more at pembrokeshirebuilders.co.uk. And between eight and nine, it's when we kind of get to grips with a, a whole variety of sporting topics in the company of the three wise men. Uh, we have got Bill Kahn from pembrokeshiresport.co.uk, a long-standing sports editor at the Western Telegraph, Gordon Thomas, and sports supporter with the Western Telegraph for over 10 years. Fraser Watson here to talk all things Pembrokeshire sport and beyond, of course. Evening, chaps. How are we all doing? All right? Evening, Ben. Good to see you all. We're live on our Facebook page. You can get involved as well using the hashtag Pure West Sport and plenty to come between now and nine o'clock. We'll be talking extreme sports and we'll be talking about some of the the greatest Pembrokeshire Football League players uh, to, to have graced football pitches up and down the county but we need to start with uh, another international rugby player from Pembrokeshire adding to it quite a long list of uh, Pembrokeshire players to play for Wales. Sam Parry made his Wales debut in Paris on Saturday. Wales went down but it was still a a really great occasion for Sam and his family and Gordon uh, you you know him well former Haverford West player what would that have meant to him to have made his Wales debut at the weekend? Well, obviously, uh, Sam's dream debut was to play for Wales. Um, he first made the squad in 2013 and the following year, but injuries um, scuppered his chances of uh, winning that elusive cap. But uh, on on Saturday evening, he came on on about the hour mark, and what a proud moment that was for his family. Uh, his dad, Steve, I know very well, and I know his mum, Julie, who lives in Prendigas. They were over the moon to see their lad play for Wales, and uh, he didn't he didn't let uh, the team down either. Even though Wales lost, Sam his uh, his contribution over the thirty minutes was fantastic, and I hope that he's in the team to play against Scotland at the weekend. Well done, Sam. Fantastic. Uh, Fraser, I touched on this with Bill at the weekend, actually. Um, a great moment for for Sam Parry. As Gordon says, you know, your first calf is is something to treasure. No doubt about that. The age of 27, I, I almost wonder if it does mean more to someone to, to win their first cap at that age. Because whether you take it in a bit more because you are a bit older and you have played a few more games, do you think it means a bit more? I'd say so. I think... You've got to remember Sam, Sam's unique in a way. Sam's never been one of these players who really burst on, onto the regional scene. And it's often overlooked. Until 19, he was a flanker. He was actually mm-hmm. a big cigar, which, which turned him into a front row forward. And that's very late to have a positional change of that magnitude, you know, especially going into the professional game now where your positional skills are so honed so early. And it really is testament 
to his longevity and his um, his consistency at the Ospreys as well. He, he joined there six years ago. There was a big irony which actually went unnoticed on the weekend. Um, his first cap for Wales denied him his hundredth cap to the Ospreys. <laughs> yeah, so he was on the verge, you know, and that. And that that in itself, like I just said, longevity, you know, and he's performed well and he's become the number one there now. And as Gordon says, I think he's got a good chance to push on from this. Obviously, the circumstances of Ken Owens are unfortunate, been such a talisman for Wales for so long. He'll be out for six months injured now, so there's an opening there. But no, I, I take your point. I think the fact that Sam has worked so hard for so mm. long hasn't necessarily been a household name, you know, within Welsh rugby, despite being involved in regional rugby for almost a decade now. It, it's... You know, it was worthwhile for him, all the hard work and really pleased for him as well. Yeah, excellent occasion. Bill Khan in the Pure West Radio studio. Good evening again to you, Bill. Uh, you'll, you'll have watched that and, and been really proud of, of Sam at the weekend, like, like so many Pembrokeshire people were. Oh, absolutely. And he deserves it. And Fraser touched on an important point, to switch one flanker to a hooker. I mean, Gordon and I were talking on the weekend. One of the things that surprised me was when he ran onto the pitch, how much he bulked up, Gord, yeah? He looked yeah, a big unit, you know? But I don't yeah. think he's lost his mobility and he's got a nice touch with his hands as well. Like a lot of the boys who've played for Wales from our county, they're such great guys. I first met him when uh, I was emceeing some stuff in the county junior uh, playoffs from 8 years 8 to 16 and the Scarlets were due to send someone to present the trophies and they forgot. And Sam was there, I think God watching his cousin Yes, he was. In fact, his uh, his brother it was. Is his brother. He's watching his younger brother. Yeah. And I, I just collared him with the organiser, Ken Davis, and said, do us a favour, any chance of presenting a couple of trophies? He stayed all afternoon and he presented every trophy. And I thought, good for you, buddy. You know, you're not a scarlet, but you're in your hometown and you didn't let Pembrokeshire down. So he's yeah. huge in my book and I wish him every success for the future. Totally committed. He's got to be. He had his setbacks, you know, he was with the Dragons, released there, came back the Ospreys, and my word, has he done well there. Yeah, Fraser, what, what do you think? Do you think he, he's got a, a long-term future in the Wales side now he's made his debut at the age of 27? It's very difficult to say, but there is an opening there. That's the reality mm. of it. With, with Owens injured, the reality is that looking at the way at the moment, he seems to be the number two hooker at least. Whether he'll get a start during this autumn remains to be seen, but I think that comes a crucial test now if he can force his way into the starting lineup, you know. But like I said, his consistency at the top level has been proven. So there's no he can't remain in that squad. And you've got to remember as well, at a time when when Welsh rugby and regions are having to release a lot of players for, for understandable financial reasons, they opted to give him a new contract and keep him on. His contract was actually due to expire in 2020. So that that's pretty significant as well to show what they think of him. Obviously, um, you know, player he has had his injury problems in the past uh, a couple of years ago had a, a string of shoulder injuries which really disrupted him did brilliantly to come back from that actually so obviously when, when you reach 27 it, it is like you say a late age coming to international mm-hmm. an injury free will be important but if he can do that i think he's got every chance of being a regular in that squad certainly and that would be excellent. Yeah, Steve Glover on Facebook says, earned his place, play, play Sam Parry. Uh, if you want to get involved, you can leave us a message on the Facebook page and you can use the hashtag Pure West Sports as well. Uh, let's reflect then, An- another Pembrokeshire player to make his Wales debut. Uh, Bill and Gordon, um, we'll, we'll go to you, you two first of all. What, what, some of your memories of past Pembrokeshire rugby players to play for their country. Who, who are some of your favourites? Well, Gordon knows a lot of them because he actually played with some of them. 
As he told you, he played for Scarlets in the centre with um, Ray Gravel. Never played centre in my life. Full back with Ray Gravel in the centre. <laughs> Go on over to you, Mr Thomas. No, um, I was lucky enough to uh, play with, yes, Ray Gravel and Peter Morgan at the time when I was yes. at Athlete. Uh, Peter Morgan was a neighbour of mine. He lived in Queensway. I was living in Coronation Avenue in Prendigus. Um, I can tell you a, a funny little tale that Peter used to come to my house to watch the rugby internationals. And uh, me and my dad be watching it. He'd come in with a bag of sweets. Uh, we'd watch the game. And then the following week, Lo and behold, he got picked for the Welsh side. So me and my dad were watching the game. Peter was on playing against Ireland. The following week, Peter was back again. He'd been dropped. And <laughs> he still bought the sweets and watched the game with us. Yeah. And that's a true story. It just shows, um, doesn't it, though, you, can, you know, how far the game has changed over the years yeah. since then. It's incredible, it's changed, though, isn't it? It's changed dramatically since 1995, since it's gone professional. Uh, the amateur days, there was so much fun. And, uh, you know, you could play uh, the game uh, and not worry about things. But everything is now so meticulous. And they, they diet, uh, mm. they, they train every day of the week. They specialise in uh, all aspects of the game. So, you know, that was never done in our day, to be honest with you. It wasn't. We were just told to just go out there and express yourself. And um, that's what we did. And, and that's another thing. The players are so well coached today. It can, they can't mm. change the game. A lot of them can't think when they're on the game mm. themselves because they never have to change it. You know, if they're losing, they need to change it. They, they, they don't change it. They just stay the same way. Yeah. And Wales were guilty of that on Saturday evening. France were very strong. And they, they ran in five tries. So, Bill, yeah. Bill, what what about you? For from uh, just looking back, who, who would be your favourite players to, from Pembroke to have played for Wales? Peter's, yeah. Peter's one. I become a yeah. pal with him as well, and he's a character. I mean, Gordon and I could write a book about some of the things <laughs> we yeah. sort of heard and found out about him. But my two were Pembroke boys, of course, um, J- uh, J- Jonathan Thomas and Don yes. Day, because both were you know. Whenever we were stuck on the on the radio show that we did before, we went at the phone either of them, and they were there. One in London, one in Gloucester, or in Worcester and they yeah. were brilliant and Jonathan Thomas I played cricket with him as a young lad he is the nicest person you could ever wish to meet mm-hmm. he's been contacted in um, Bristol and Worcester and been asked to come down this year he came down I bumped into him in, in um, Pont Abraham having a coffee and he'd just been down to talk on a Monday night for the Pembrokeshire Farmers Dinner yeah. <laughs> and I said I can't believe he said well my granddad was a uh, a farmer is the least I could do and Dom Day was great fun I mean Gordon and I and you were involved when he had a young lady who was a model I think it's his wife now and they'd been caught in Covent so. Garden you know just <laughs> being together and it hit the news and when we interviewed him we were saying have you been anywhere recently and he was saying no <laughs> no and I think you said what about Covent Garden and he said you boys behave and they, those two <laughs> were brilliant. And my other one, of course, is James Davis, who I think is amazing. Yes. I chuffed to see him on the bench again because he is a boy and a half, he is. Yeah, absolutely. There's some, some really good names from, from Pembrokeshire to, to mm. have gone on to play for Wales. And I think it, it kind of moves the debate on a bit, Fraser, to, to where I was, I was thinking we, we'd go with this. And I'd be interested to hear some views about some of the next generation. Um, so, some great names there. And do feel free to, to add some of your own as well. But what do you think? What, what's, what does the future hold? If we, if we were here in, in 10 years' time, Bill would still be eating the biscuits in Pure West Radio HQ. <sighs> do, do, do you think we'll look back on another generation of, of Pembrokeshire players to have gone on to play for Wales? Or is the conveyor belt going to stop? No, I think we'll be looking at 
more Pembrokeshire players have perhaps gone to play regional rugby and for Wales, but whether we'll be able to associate them with Pembrokeshire teams so much, no, I don't even brutally honest. Go and just touch on the story then, which would never happen now, how someone who played for Havergrest one would be called up by Wales the next. You know, the days of of local clubs, and, and this, is, this is the impact of professional, the, the days of local clubs being able to develop players properly, right, are long gone. They're into academies too early, in my opinion, yeah. and these these academies now they're, they're taking in players nine, ten, eleven years old, and, and whatsoever. They're not allowing them to play for their clubs, right? Um, they're taking them often. They're taking them in on a physical basis, on their stats and their size, which I think is totally wrong. They're overlooking the technical ability and the intelligence of the player. Something else mm-hmm. just touched on as well. And I think although Pembroke players obviously have, they've got to start somewhere, so they, they might start and play mini or junior rugby. The reality is. If you are going to go on and make it to the top level, you wished away very early and too early in my opinion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Can we can we do much about that? What what can we does that does something need to change or or do you think because and this is open to the to the three of you? Do you think because of the way regional rugby is now and the and the structures that are in place, we we've almost gone too far. We 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 won't be able to turn that clock back now. Too, can I too, give you a prime? Can I give you a prime example of uh, what you're talking about, players? playing too early. Well, when I was playing years ago, there was a certain guy by the name of Brian Williams who came into the county mm. school squad as a 19-year-old. None of us have ever seen him before. He was a thin kid and came on. He played prop. We were all laughing when we were told yeah. he was prop. <laughs> but by God, that guy could play rugby. He was as strong as an ox. Uh, he went on to play for Narbeth and then legendary at Neath and unfortunately he lost his life. But Brian Williams didn't come into the game, as I just said, about 18, 19 years of age. So it's never too late to take up Mm -hmm. the game, ever, ever. If you've got the ability and you're good enough, you can play at any level. You just have to have that ability and that nous. And Brian Williams was an exception to the rule, a Pembrokeshire lad from from Crimach area. But what a player Brian Williams was. He's revered around all the Welsh clubs now, even today, as the hardest man in Welsh rugby. But it, it wouldn't happen now, I think, is a point we're making, I think. Yeah, you're, you're probably right. At that age now, you, you're too late because you mm. have through the whole regional setup through junior level, which they want you yeah, to do. Yeah, I, I, I get your point. You haven't hit the fitness test, which they require you to hit and, and follow the programme. Yeah. yeah. Mm. Well, what, so, sorry, Ben. Bill, what, do, Bill, do we worry then? Do we worry then that we won't have a, a Sam Parry coming through because of that? I think, it's a, I think it's a really good discussion point from, from good points in Fraser and Gordon there. Is that is that a worry? We've probably had more people represent Wales in the last, say, 15 years than we ever had before. But I think mm-hmm. Fraser's right. There's too much emphasis now on this total commitment. We are part of Llanelli, Scarlet's West. Mm. And for players to play in that, it demands total commitment from their families for travel. Mm. It demands mm. the fact that they not only they emphasise too early, in my view, I don't know what Fraser and Gordon think, but mm. at, at 16, they're having one uh, session every week on power building in the gym. Mm. And at that age, they shouldn't be emphasising bulk is everything. It should be on skills, on handling abilities, on understanding the game, and develop that when they're young men, not when they're kids. Mm. And that Mm. scares me a bit, and that's why I think a lot of players drop out, because either they get injured because they're building their bodies too quickly, or they get fed up with this total commitment that's needed. Mm. Because they're they're like young professionals, aren't they, in a way? Yeah. Yeah. I think there's, there's two points I take from what Bill's touched on there, which are really good. Firstly, what he's mentioned there, Scarlet's West. You know, um, 
for me, that's just a nonsense title. You know, when 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 you were a youngster growing up, you played for Pembrokeshire, and it, it was prestigious, and and went through trials, and it meant something to wear a Pembrokeshire shirt. You know, and even from the age of under eleven right through to under eighteen, you had some big prestigious fixtures, and they meant a lot. Mm. To call it Scarlet's West now, not only does it engulf what would have been Pembrokeshire into a regional setup. Mm. It gives these youngsters a false impression they're involved in regional. You know, what, what's Scarlet's West? You know, it's, yeah. you call yeah. it Pembrokeshire, you call it Ceredigionshire. You, you're applying a title which is mm. making it seem more important and at a higher level than it actually is. And, yeah. you know, it, it, it's filling these children, these not necessarily children, some of them, you know, teenagers, young men by then, and, and girls, from false hope sometimes because they're attached. Mm regional title they're probably getting kit which looks good and they think they're on the brink of making it and the, the reality is they're not they're would it be better for those would it be better for those young boys and girls to be with a club yeah. attached to a club in Pembrokeshire with the aim of playing for a, a regional county team and their coaching being delivered locally would that would that would that be better for them Absolutely. for their development and still yeah. be picked up in, in games for Pembrokeshire and, and the other thing which concerns me as mm. well Gordon and Bill have probably seen this over the years they may disagree is, is the lack of rugby in the schools now you know, um, yeah. you learnt your skills yeah. and your handling and everything in the schools. Gordon will tell you, you aim for a Welsh schools cap. It was the ultimate um, mm. as a teenager growing up. You know, it was it was the ultimate honour. It was the ultimate stepping stone, if you like. And and that's been taken away now. And because these regional academies are so dominant, they don't want kids playing in school because of educational cuts. Uh, physical education has been engulfed a bit. And schoolmasters are being asked to... Uh, give a, a more diverse range of sport, which is brilliant. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But it's taking away the more expertise and the more technical coaching. Mm-hmm. So I think yeah. we're losing rugby in the schools and, that, and that's why it's... it's really yeah. Yeah. We, we, we talk about but all the regional people have gone through who've made it there, um, Sam Parry and also Josh McLeod, Rob Evans, people like that at the moment. But it's the people that don't make it who get forgotten about. So mm-hmm. many go into mm-hmm. these setups and then, then stop playing. Right, and then drift away from the game because they, they've been, yeah. you know, and, and, and that, they're not bad players. I bet they're not bad players. No, yeah. yeah, but yeah. because they they've been involved in on what they see as the brink of an elite setup, and then maybe had a blow. And mm. as we've talked about earlier, the training has been so intense that it's all they've known. They're they're fed up of it. You know, they don't want to go back to play locally then at, at what they would see as a poorer standard. So I think we're definitely somewhere along the lines we're getting things wrong. It's great for the players who make it. Yeah. Yeah, and you've sparked some discussion. The, the, the WRU and Regions Rugby Academies have killed rugby in PEMS. No players coming through uh, on the Facebook page. That, that's Penny's, Kenny. Penny it's, it's, sitting it's, on the fence. Yeah. <laughs> it's an interesting topic. <laughs> it really is. Yeah. Uh, but I think we should. We'll, we'll, we'll take a moment. We'll move on because we're going to we're going to cover a, a whole lot more between now and nine o'clock on the second half this evening. We're going to talk extreme sports in a few moments, and, and we're going to reflect on some of the best footballers uh, to play. For Football in Pembrokeshire. But I think we should just round off this section just where we started, really, uh, Bill, by by just uh, saying Sam Sam Parry, uh, Sam and, and all the the Pembrokeshire players who have played for Wales, very proud of them. And oh, yeah. I think the what comes across from the three of you is that you really do care about the future of, of rugby in this county. You know, you, you want to make sure there is an environment where. Players
players can flourish. Yeah, as a boy, I remember the joy of training in the school first team mm. Tuesdays and Thursdays with a wonderful teacher called Mr. Dennis Lloyd, who I still call Sir. He's 90 odd. And mm. we played big games on a Saturday. There was a joy in it. We all played as good pals. Nowadays, mm. they're playing with teams from players from all over the, 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 the area, and there isn't that joy. And schools, you're right, phrase, schools can't pay the attention they used to. Okay, Uh, excellent start to the show. Some really good debate from Gordon Fraser and Bill with us on Pure West Radio, of course, this evening on Pure West Sport with G&G Builders, a Pembrokeshire-based company who've been in business for 30 years that carry out all aspects of construction from start to finish. You'll find out more at pembrokeshirebuilders.co.uk. We're back with a song that Bill's delighted about. We're going to play the Everly Brothers in just a few moments. Then we're talking extreme sports and we'd like to hear from you on the Facebook page this evening or on social media using the hashtag Pure West about some of the extreme sports you might have been involved with over the years. Coming up to 25 past eight, this is Pure West Radio. The Helping Hand Initiative on Pure West Radio in association with the Port of Milford Haven. Netlet UK has the finest self-catering accommodation right here in Pembrokeshire. Whether it's spectacular scenery of expansive countryside or luxurious sea view apartments, Netlet has the holiday for you. Family adventures to romantic cottages for two? At Netlet, high-quality properties are available from the north to the south and everywhere in between. See them online at Netlet UK. Call them on 01646 699 264 or email stay at netletuk.co.uk. Ooh, had a bump? Not a problem. Here at CFL Commercials in Pembroke Dock, we offer a huge range of services to get you back on the road fast. In fact, it's not just accident repairs. We also offer body repairs, welding, diagnostic fault finding, MOT preparation, contract maintenance and servicing, and so much more. CFL Commercials is a family-run business that'll take care of you. Find us at the Royal Dockyard, Pembroke Dock, or call us on 01646 681 488, cflcommercials.com. The Port of Milford Haven, proud to be supporting local business. Join us every Friday for the 2.30 kickoff as Haverford West County take over Pure West Radio to bring you the latest news and developments direct from the Bridge Meadow. Team news, transfers, new signings and the latest changing room gossip from the Cymru Premier side. Miss the final whistle? Well, listen to the Haverford West Bluebirds podcast by visiting purewestradio.com. Our club, our county, our community. Haverford West County, AFC. This is Pure West Radio.
Brothers and Kathy's Clown on Pure West Radio. I'm Ben Stone. It's Pure West Sport. Bill Khan enjoyed that in our in the Pure West studio. I saw you dancing. You boys are looking after me. What a record! <laughs> I thought you'd enjoy that. Tell you what, that first uh, first part of the second half, uh, we got some good debate going and and all sorts of comments coming in on the Facebook page. So do get involved with that. Um, Arian Price, school rugby was one of my favourite parts of rugby when I was growing up and I think uh, Fraser and Gordon and Bill you all made that point and, and we carried on the discussion when we were off air as well that rugby in schools and playing school sports so many great memories from the three of you absolutely it's sadly going so yeah I know and we and I think the message from that first part was that we actually we want those memories to be alive we want we want people yeah. in the future to be able to say yeah we, we've got some great great times playing sport in school um so get involved hashtag uh, pure west sport and, and comment on our social media because we're going to turn our attention to some extreme sports now um and the reason for this is it's pretty topical and we, we featured it a bit in the first hour uh, a few examples recently and coming up gareth reynolds from dale is going to be attempting to row solo for three thousand miles across the atlantic ocean to raise money for charity uh, Sana duthie has recently attempted to complete the pembrokeshire coast path in record time alistair bell recently completed uh, competed in the uk ice swimming championships of course covid19 has had an impact on all yeah. sorts of events in pembrokeshire and beyond um but this is the county that welcomes iron man every year and i remember being involved with the very first iron man I, I have to say i covered it on the radio i didn't take part in it but Fr fraser pembrokeshire has got a real reputation hasn't it for for extreme sporting challenges and events it, it's certainly one that's growing ben um you, you talk about iron man and that that almost overtook the marathon what was originally seen as the ultimate test of endurance wasn't it you know and if you if you wanted to complete it, you went to London, but those days are long gone. Um, I mean, Ironman has been a spectacular success in Pembrokeshire, not not just because of the athletes that enter, but the impact it has on on the whole community, you know, and the thousands of people that come out on the streets, what it does mm. to the businesses in Temby, the exposure it gives Pembrokeshire and everything else. You get international athletes traveling from all over the world and, and things like that. But even that now is, is probably not the most extreme physical, you know, or men testamental you can do that there is so much around I think the question is whether we're going too far I think there's lots of positive effects of these extra endurance events it's getting more people involved in sport it's encouraging more people to to take up events get fit and that sort of thing we saw that during lockdown with a lot of people com competing in virtual events which they, they wouldn't have been able to do in any of the sport mm -hmm. no, but um I think there is another side where we don't want to discourage that and detract from that now is it also having an impact on, on local mm. teams as well? We just we just touched upon numbers dropping in rugby. It's been mentioned on the, on the Facebook thing as well about numbers dropping in football, potentially cricket, hockey, other sports as well. So there is there is a counter argument to it that um, that it's almost 
now more attractive for people to go and play these sports with. There's less chance of injury, there's less physical contact and so on. But um, I think it, it is fantastic that we have such a range of events that people can enter and, and so many people can be involved in sport, but there is a there is a concerning side to it as well. Yeah, I, we'll, we'll park that for just a second. We'll, we'll come back to that. I just want to say on Ironman, Bill, I, do you remember covering that very first Ironman when it came to Pembrokeshire, 2010? Yeah, yeah. I think 2010 was the yeah. first year. And and we, I think we were just stood in Tembe and talking to people who were telling us about the training and the build-up mm-hmm. to do it and then what they were going to do on the day. And you couldn't believe it, could you? No, they came from South Africa. We spoke to a New Zealander. And they were all ages as well as both sexes. And look, I put, put my cards on the table. I think they're all nutters. i got to say that. Perhaps that's <laughs> the wrong word to use. But I can't believe that people... Fraser does it. He loves it. He does these uh, things mm. where you run through bogs and nettles and man-made obstacles and up and over and under tractors. I, I just can't understand it. I, I love sport, but I don't want to hurt myself. I never trained hard when I was in school. I'd do one press-up or one sit-up till uh, Mr Lloyd looked and then I, he might be listening, I'd be careful. And then I'd do another one and we'd come in and our captain would say, oh, that was great, I was sick in the hedge. Not for me, <laughs> I'm afraid. I applaud them, especially if it's for charity. Mm. but I can't understand it. It's no good. I'm too old to change my mind. Uh, I just say, well done, but not for me. Well, you like a game of table tennis build. Is that is that as, about as extreme as it gets for you nowadays? No, you're taking the mic. It's not bad, is it? At 73, I can still play a good game of table tennis. It's something we never did, actually. We, we, we did I not tell you? At yeah. Some, at some point. I've, um, I played, hang on, I played Fraser. Who uh, won? Uh, no, don't ask. He'll be embarrassed. <laughs> coaching session 21-1 or 1-0 I'm not sure which it was <laughs> I have to say I, I, I th- I'm, I'm into running myself and I, and I think individual sporting challenges are fantastic hmm. but you, you've also got different running clubs that, that kind of do lend itself to being almost part of a team as well um, Gordon what do you make of Fraser's point that, um, that, that as these challenges get more extreme and, and more people look to take them on is that is that resulting in fewer people taking part in team sport? Well, it's bound to have uh, an impact because those people would be playing your normal rugby, cricket or football. And uh, Fraser touched on a point about injuries in the, in the you know, the contact in uh, rugby and football. You, you can pick up some nasty knocks. So I think um, people do tend to think, well, I'll go and run a marathon or I'll swim the Atlantic or whatever they want to do because <laughs> they're not going to have that contact. Um, it's important to keep healthy and fit, but extreme sports, it really doesn't do it for me, mate. I, well, I remember in cross-country in school, you know, I'd always be able to cut a corner. Yeah, or, me. You know what I mean? <laughs> I, I complete yeah. it, but I did, and that's only a couple of miles. You're talking like 26-mile marathon run, 112-mile yeah. cycle. And it, a, is it a two-mile swim all in the same yes. time? And then there's, you know, the ice swimming as well. I know Fraser, part, uh, he took part in that. you, you just got to be bonkers, to be honest, with you, to, to do that sort of thing. I, my, my, my ideal Saturday was to play for 80 or 90 minutes, get in the bar and get home about 2 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> That's my, that was my extreme sport. <laughs> with Medley, Gord, the, uh, the double Iron Man exists now. It hasn't come to Pembrokeshire yet, but where all those distances you've just named are doubled. 
Okay, yeah. mate. Then, okay. Can I say I don't I don't think it's overly affected people taking part in team sports because a lot of them, like Fraser, you're heavily involved in that now and I applaud you. But it's at the end of your playing career in in your chosen sport. And I think mm. there's a lot of people who are thirty plus who are taking part. Gordon meant it's mentioned. all over, mate. Yeah, Gordon mentioned the ice swimming. The big thing on the telly at the moment is that swimming in cold water is good for your mental health. They don't say that if if I jumped in there at my age without being checked first, I'd probably have a heart attack. And to me, it's a bit foolhardy to say, yeah, I'll dive in the water and you'll all be fine. So this is what I'm thinking, having listened to the discussion from the the two of you and, and Fraser so far, is that Gordon and Bill, would you do you not class individual efforts as sport oh, oh does it have to they be a te- yeah, does it have to be a team thing sport, but I, as I, I touched on I, I prefer team sports the camaraderie uh when you're on your own doing yes it's mind you know you it's it's i can't see the enjoyment in it you know what i mean i, I can understand the challenge why people want to do it but I just can't get my head around I, why you want to do it. Yeah, I don't quite agree with that in the sense that if they're taking part, because if you run sort of across the, 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 the hills in Crimach, you can run as part of a team. <clears throat> if someone like this guy who's going to row the ocean, I applaud him. Phenomenal. I, I'm quite happy to give him <laughs> a fiver towards that. But it's just not for me. But I don't think it ultimately will affect team sports over much. I know a lot of guys who do the coastal rowing, you know, go from mm. uh, Fishguard or Pembroke Dock to, to um, Ross Lair. Darrell Willington is one who played yeah. rugby and cricket. But Darrell's about 45 now, Richard Jelly the same there. They want something to push themselves now. I don't think it'll affect our, our what we know as team sports. So Fraser, mm. why why do people do it? I I think I find running for mental health and especially at the moment has been the best thing. So being able to go for a run during lockdown in particular that was fantastic. Is it that Fraser? Why do people do it? I think yeah, you just touched on that. I think it's more um, it's more accessible, obviously, um, as long as you've got you know a safe enough area or road to run on. Hence why so many people could train during lockdown, and and also you have got the aspect as well where you know you could rugby training in the winter you're a long day at work it's a cold wet wednesday night and, and you're fed up of, of driving you know half an hour straight from work to get knocked about in, in rugby training in the puddles for an hour and a half i know it's not always like that but that sort of thing i think in, the, in these running events you, you are very much in control of your own destiny in terms of training and, and things like that and i think they've also as well you know there's a competitive end but I think what a lot of these events do, which which is a good way of certainly attracting people and people to sign up, is they promote that all abilities can do it. Mm-hmm. Accessible. Yeah. I... A lot of people are doing them to raise money for charity. Yeah. Performance doesn't necessarily matter. So there's no pressure in that respect. Um, not necessarily team members that you might let down. It's just a case of finishing or, or perhaps raising money for charity. So I think it's a totally different psychology. Um, I do slightly disagree with Bill. I do think there is a, a younger generation that is tailing off towards that a little bit. I think you look at these triathlons now and they're, they're getting younger and younger, the entrance, and unfortunately for people like me. Um, so I do think it is having a, a little bit of an effect, but perhaps in five, ten years, hopefully just not so much in the next five ten years that we're completely taken away from local team sports as well. Yeah, I think there's room for both. I, def- yeah. I definitely think there's room for both. And and you see, it's, it always impresses me when you see footballers who are training for the London Marathon, like, you know, local footballers 
play in the football season, local rugby players, and then they go and run a marathon, you know, in April. I think that, that's fantastic. But Ben, and, sorry yeah. to interrupt. I do think, you know, what Fraser was saying, uh, all, the, all the local sports people, Ben Jones in Fishguard, uh, Dan Reese in Clarbison Road, they're all undergoing these things when they're towards the end of their careers. And I don't want to give the wrong impression. I applaud them. I love going to watch them. I mean, the cliff diving off uh, uh, yeah. Aberaithi, they're mad. It's an extreme yeah. sport. Phenomenal. I, I love it. Yeah. I love. I love going to watch the um, Iron Man with you. I, I would, if Fraser's taking part in adventures, I will be there to watch him and cheer him on. I'm not saying I don't enjoy it, but I wouldn't want to take part, and I wouldn't want any youngsters I know taking part in that sort of activity. <laughs> do the running. Do the do the marathons by all means, but not some Push. of the stuff that's going on now. My word. Nothing wrong with pushing yourself. I don't. No. Think. Well. All right, I wouldn't argue with that. I, I, I give it a go. But are we going too extreme? Is it a double Iron Man, for example? Yeah. No, it, and where does it finish? Where does it, it stop? It, it, is, is that just a way of saying our event is more extreme than yours? Is more yeah, more definitely, more. Fraser. That, yeah. That's another thing that worries me mm. is that we're, mm. we're now going over the line of what is a realistic sports race to basically who's the best at, you know, avoiding... Yeah. Deprivation, yeah. Mm, mm, yeah. and for me, that's where your argument, or well, your point that you made earlier, Ben, of whether or not it is actually sport may come into it. All right, once once it goes beyond, right, who's the best athlete or the most mentally strong athlete? Uh, you mm. know, literally, who can stay awake, you know, or, or collapse over two or three days. It becomes that, doesn't it? Mm. Yeah, yeah. And um, you know, you look, you spoke, you spoke about Santa Duffy earlier, and unfortunately, that the weather curtailed her attempt to. Um, to complete the Pembrokeshire Coastal Path in what would have been record time th- this summer, but that and I think you know, you've, you've got mandatory rest periods in that. Mm. So, you know, that 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 remains as acceptable as as a sport. You have to put a tremendous amount of training in, and there are safety teams around her so that there was no kind of danger involved in it. But I think if we start going too far beyond that, which some countries have, that's where you you do have to question. Or, Bill and Gordon might call it sanity, but you know, not just sanity, but you know, the health of people involved is yeah. yeah. just trying to get too extreme. Um, okay, Ben, can we'll I go- just finish on one positive note? Go on. I, I'll applaud Fraser. He likes doing it. I, I was yeah. the only one there cheering him over the line when he did his magnificent 113 miles in four days running. He only had to do 100, but there's part of Fraser because he'd said four days he was going to finish it. It was quite yeah. magnificent. It Can was. you imagine, though, Gordon? You've just done 113 miles in four days. Careful, and the first, careful. And the first face I, I, ben, you see I, at the finish. I, ben, I, I struggle to do that in the car. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> you know what I mean. Let's yeah. be honest, and I'm uh, sitting down driving. You uh, cross the finish forth. line, and the first face you see is Bill Carr. Tell him, Fraser. To see any face by that hey, point. <laughs> that's your last, Watson. That's your last. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it right, was, all, it, I, what all I, I can say is extreme sports. Bad for your health. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Don't have a game of football or rugby or hockey. Was Fraser smiling at the finish, Bill? I bet he was. No, he was. Well, there's a picture on my website, pemmishersport.uk, of him smiling over the line. But 30 seconds later, he wants smiling. He was (laughs) doubled up on the floor. Bill, Bill, Bill. (laughs) Bill shouted to me, shall I phone the undertaker? Is he going to make it? <laughs> All right, on that note, 18 minutes to nine. This is Pure West Radio. Coming up in the final part of the second half this evening, we're going to do our one of our best ofs, and we're going to finish with some of our uh, favourite Pembrokeshire footballers with a bit of a twist on the debate this week. So that's coming up in just a few moments' time on Pure West Radio. 
Welcome to the VC Gallery Bridge Street Haverford West, a gallery that belongs to the community. You may have seen us on Bridge Street while out and about in town. On your first visit to the gallery, you'll find that instead of being devoted to the metropolitan art scene, we're devoted to you and your community. Sure, you can find professional works from talented local artists, but what we're most proud of is the art on display from our own veterans and members. When you arrive, be sure to step upstairs and experience our year-long Art of Remembrance exhibition. Find us at 26 Bridge Street, give us a ring on 01437 765 873 or find us on Facebook. The VC Gallery Bridge Street, the gallery that belongs to you. The Helping Hand Initiative on Pure West Radio, supported by the Port of Milford Haven. Milford Marina looks so much better when you're dining at the Harbour Master, a friendly and relaxing atmosphere offering homemade food, handcrafted cocktails and a refreshing wine list. Enjoy a light bite, indulge in a juicy burger or some freshly cooked fish dishes. Whatever you like, the Harbour Master has it for you. Serving lunch and dinner Monday to Saturday and yes, of course, a roast on Sundays. Book by ringing 01646 695 493 or send them a message on Facebook. The Harbour Master, Milford Marina. I'm just not feeling it. I need something more glamorous. Have you tried Image by Vanessa? Sorry, who? Image by Vanessa at Milford Waterfront. They have an amazing choice of gorgeous women's wear with professional stylists who can help find the perfect outfit. Oh, wow. What about special occasions? Oh, yes. Image by Vanessa has one of the largest local choices for mother of the bride, cruises and balls. There's no need to go anywhere else. So that's why you always look so fabulous. Thanks. I know where I'm going next. For finer fashion on your doorstep, stroll in store at Milford Waterfront or visit the Facebook page. The Helping Hand Initiative on Pure West Radio in association with the Port of Milford Haven. This is Pure West Radio. For Pembrokeshire, from Pembrokeshire. a big star to me You're everything I want to be But just look in a hole And I want you to get out I don't know what there is to see But I know it's time for you to leave We're all just pushing along Trying to figure it out
take that and shine on Pure West Radio. This is Pure West Sport. The second half, some lively debate uh, with Gordon Fraser and Bill and still a bit more to come as well uh, on the show with G&G Builders, a Pembrokeshire company with a team of 30 covering all trades with a fleet of vehicles along with on-site machinery. Find out more at pembrokeshirebuilders.co.uk. Before we talk football to round off the show and our best of that we always look to, to finish so that we finish on a nice, happy, positive note. Breaking news on this year's Pembrokeshire Indoor Cricket League, Bill. Up to 10 teams taking part. Yeah, good news. They've been increased to 10 because Hanford West have come in and been allowed to enter a second team late. So that means every club will now, every team will now have nine games. And what they're going to do, everyone's going to play everyone else. It means that some sides will play with a lot of youngsters and not find it easy against Nayland and Hanford West, perhaps. But it's great news. And the other thing I love about it as well, I was a bit sick because all the games were scheduled for Monday night which means Fraser and I who go there Gordon's got petty good government so he, he didn't go there we uh, go and watch but they're going to be played as a suggestion now some of them on Saturdays and Sunday afternoons now I don't know about Fraser I'm joking about Gordon he might come that I can go along there, I can watch, I can umpire if they're stuck and uh, there'll be some sport on a Saturday in Pembrokeshire. So I applaud Peter Davis for trying to get it going. Subject now to approval by the county executive, there will be cricket over different days. Indoor cricket in Pembrokeshire starting the 9th of November. That's Don't excellent worry. news. Yeah, really good, good really news. good to hear that. Yeah. Uh, let's talk football now, though, to finish. Uh, it's 10 to 9, so we've got about 10 minutes left of Pure West Sports this evening. Joe Allen is back in training at Stoke. Really good to hear that. Uh, back in training for the first time since March when he had uh, a serious injury. He should be uh, back playing soon and obviously hopeful that he'll be back playing for Wales in the rearranged Euros next summer. Uh, Joe Allen came through the ranks in Pembrokeshire. He never played in the local league because he signed for Swansea at a young age. So today we're going to talk about, and you can get involved using the hashtag Pure West Sport and leave some messages on the Facebook page if you've watched a lot of Pembrokeshire football. Who is the best player to have graced the Pembrokeshire Football League not to have made it professionally? Who's left the best legacy? I think we're going to get some different names. We, we know all about players who've gone on to play pro, but the standard of football in Pembrokeshire has always been high. And I think we're going to get some different names thrown out here. I'll go to Bill first. Who are you going to put into the mix, Bill? It's very difficult because I cover, you know, 55 years of Pembrokeshire football. And in that time, when I started out playing for Penner Robbins, Ken Harris from Fishguard was the boy. Gordon will might remember him. Yeah, he scored, I do, Bill. He scored goals for fun with Fishguard. And I yeah, used to look at him and think, if he'd been a youngster today, he might have. The other one that I picked before I picked my favourite one might surprise you would be Martin Cole. I saw him playing as a sweeper for Pembroke Borough. He's a tiny little guy like Joe Allen, Coley, one of the best cricket all-rounders in the county, but I thought he was magnificent. He had a football brain. But my choice, Gordon will know because he says he's the son I never had, is Paul Jones, Jonah from Haken. He played football for Haken. He had an innate talent for scoring goals. Ben, just a statistic, Gordon will remember the old West Wales Guardian Cup, which was awarded for the top scorer in Pembrokeshire. And Gordon sometimes presented that because he worked for the Guardian at the time when we trot along. Jonah Jonah won that at least nine years on the trot. And yeah, he had a, a yeah, incredible player. He was. And he just had that ability. I remember he, they were three all with 
uh, Merlin's Bridge at, in the cup final. Last seconds, the ball went through. He had no chance of getting it, but he just got there. Got there. only a tiniest of toe pokes. Do you remember, God? Touching yeah, into I, the I net. Yeah, I remember that well. Four yeah, three. Yeah. He got Nicked eventually. It from my old club, Bill. Yeah, I know. I thought I'd mention it. He mm-hmm. got eventually in and had a few games with Harvard West County, but it wasn't Harvard West County glory days then for local footballers. He and Adam Collins, another fine footballer and rugby player. Played for them, but they were only two that were down here, so they had to travel to train in Swansea. Mm. And they didn't play the game that suited Jonah at that time. I really think he could have played for Swansea or Cardiff or even further if he'd had the setup that's today, when at 17 or 18 he could have been in a club like that and nursed along. Paul Jones for me, by a mile. Gordon Thomas, happy with that choice? And who are you going to nominate? Oh, you, I, I couldn't argue uh, with Bill's choice there. I watched Jonah, you know, in the pinnacle of his career and he was a, a top player. So there's no question about that. But I, I'm going to go back to my era, which was probably the best era then at that particular time. What are you laughing at, Fraser? <laughs> back in the, uh, in the 70s uh, when I was playing and early 80s, uh, I, I played in the bridge, some good bridge sides. And Mickey Ellis, to be fair, who's mm. involved with Half West County, had the sweetest left foot that you could ever wish to have. He was absolutely brilliant in the air. He best, could just hang there. He'd hang there for an age and headed it in. But he had great feet as well, close control. Mickey had all the attributes to go and play at a higher level. He did play Welsh League, but I, I just can't sort of fathom how, how he never got asked as a professional. But he's not my top. He's not my Ooh. number one. Ooh. I happened to play for Frankie Donovan's uh, Pembroke Borough junior sides up to the age of 17. And when I was 17, I played with the, a, a young lad by the name of uh, Stevie Callan, uh, better known as Weaver. Uh, unfortunately, Weaver's passed away now. He died when he was 50, but he was a phenomenal footballer. Mm. He was so big and strong. Um, you know, he, when he had the ball at his feet, he could hit it with left or right. He, he could beat players for fun. Uh, if you wanted to get physical with him, he could get physical. There wasn't a problem with Weaver. He could play any game that you wanted to play, and he beat you at it every time. And I'm just astounded that that lad never went on to be a professional footballer. And in the same side, we had uh, Paddy uh, uh, McQuillan, who actually did go on to be a professional. And what a brilliant player he was. But he went on and Weaver didn't, who I thought Weaver was the best player. OK. Bill, some reaction? Fraser's coming up with... but. Uh, Steve Callan, Weaver, was amazing. He just was so strong in the air. He could pass the ball. He tackled. Yeah. And and he he and Pat McQuillan were terrific. Uh, okay. I wouldn't argue with those. And Mickey Ellis, still now coaching at Halford West County. Stalwarts. And stend, sending in the crosses for the, the goalies to practice mm. before yeah. the game. And he's still it in those left foot scored. Okay, yeah. so Callan and Jones so far. Fraser Watson. Well, yeah, obviously my era is a bit different because they weren't jumpers for goal. They were jumpers <laughs> in these days and you, you had to be you know, fit and run around a bit And, and when I was playing. But no, I, um, I, I, there's two names that stood up for me who I thought had the best chance in my era growing up and then delving in and out of county football and so on. It was obviously Chris O'Sullivan who, who went actually quite close um, many years at Swansea before coming back playing at Half West for a long time and back to Goodick United eventually then. Lee Hudson was another 
who, who I thought had the credentials to make it. He had, um, you know, he had searing pace, but he, you know, I like to think I had searing pace as well, but I couldn't control the ball at searing pace. He could, and he had a magical left foot on him as well. And he was yeah. one the chance. Um, but it's going to pain me to, to do this. Can I have to agree with Bill? But I, I did catch the tail end of Jonah, his career, not even the tail end, but the, mm. actually the tail end of Solver's career in Division One. But that's when we played against Jonah a couple of times. And he was the most natural striker I've ever seen. I think Nicky Woodrow would arguably, you know, has, has been consistent. Yeah. Ongo may even be a better all-round player. But in terms of an eye for goal and an instinctive finisher, I never saw anyone come close. So I would have to go for Jonah as well. Uh, uh, yeah. You mentioned the word legacy there, though. Completely away from uh, from the topic we're talking about, my favourite would be all things considered Nobby Howells, but that's yeah. a bit. <laughs> yeah, understand. Yeah. I he, uh, I never knew someone as loyal to a local club and to epitomise the word hard but fair, the term hard but fair as much as he did. But Joe would be my ultimate choice. Yes. I'd I'd applaud that phrase as a legacy, because <laughs> uh, I used to meet Nobby every senior cup final day and have a cup of coffee behind the post with him. But the, the, we talk about Jonah winning the Guardian Cup. There's also a cup called the Margaret Davis Cup, which is yeah. given by the referees to one club in the. the the whole of the divisions each year for good sportsmanship and when Nobby was captain it was almost a shoe in that Solver would win it or come runners up because if anyone you probably remember if anyone from his team queried the referee his immortal words were get away and he yeah. wouldn't let any of them talk to the referee and he's still about he's still a great character but I would support mm. him as the leaving a legacy behind I think definitely. Yeah. Quite a few people agreeing, actually. Jonah at Haken says James Hall, uh, Matthew Howell, Paul Jonah Jones, hands down. Nigel Delaney uh, from Steve Glover uh, as well. I think we'll post these up on the Facebook page and we'll get some we'll get some more reaction. But some some agreement between Bill Kahn and Fraser Watson there to to round off the the show. <laughs> that doesn't happen that often, I don't think. Fraser does it. It was twice in a week now as well. I know. Yeah. What worry, know. What worries me is James Hall agrees with me. Because <laughs> Hawley plays cricket a little bit for St. Ishmael's, not very good. He's a good darts player and he's got a master's degree in swearing. I, have to keep, I used to teach him, I keep telling him, to stop swearing on Twitter. So James, notice that I'm being a swear word on you tonight, mate, but it's nice to see you listen. Excellent yeah. stuff. Uh, well, listen, it's been an absolute pleasure and the hour has flown by again. Uh, we'll be back again next uh, Monday, 7 to 8. We'll have interviews that Fraser, Gordon and Bill uh, put together, of course, uh, in the week going up to the show. I'll be back again on Saturday to have a look at some of the sport that's going on at the weekend. Have for West County, of course, uh, home to Bala on the Bridge Meadow on Saturday. So that's something to look forward to and see if they can back up that really good performance at TNS and maybe get something. But Fraser, Gordon and Bill, it's been a pleasure again. Thank you ever so much for your company uh, you can get involved uh, as always by using the hashtag pure west sport and keep those comments coming 